If I were to propose that there exists a founder's gene, something intrinsic to the nature of entrepreneurs, which sets them apart from everybody else, would you believe me? After all, look at the exceptional founders that have come on this stage and talked about their journey. You see, being a founder, especially in business, is a task that demands an uncharacteristic level of masochism, your willingness to take pain. Convincing an average person to endure the stress and hardship associated with being a startup founder can be an immense challenge. Over the past few years, we've seen the rise of celebrity-like founders, loaded by the media in the same way rock stars were in the 80s and the 90s. From Steve Jobs to the wonder kid Zuckerberg to the maverick Elon Musk, today we hear success stories from all over Africa, Nigeria, Kenya, Egypt, South Africa, and even Zimbabwe. However, there's a secret most founders don't talk about. A secret not palatable for media headlines or Netflix series. And it lies at the heart of every entrepreneurial journey, good or bad. This secret is the simple truth. There is no founder's gene. Sure, some individuals possess certain traits that help them persevere through tough times, but it's not in their DNA. That makes them successful. It's their resilience, their determination, and their unyielding spirit. And more importantly, the unknown heroes who battled for them on their journey. This is the tomb of the unknown soldier at Zimbabwe's Heroes Acre. Growing up, I never really could relate to this monument. After all, I was born years after the liberation struggle, or so I thought. Little did I know that the path I would choose later in life would present a new struggle which I would have to battle. One in which the comrades who assisted me are not present in this room today. And these individuals played a pivotal role in our eventual success in this guerrilla warfare of entrepreneurship. Several years ago, after 18 months of relentless struggle, my co-founder and I hit a brick wall. The bills were mounting, server costs were high, operational expenses were high, and to make matters worse, we were making next to no revenue. We were functionally broke, living off pennies, and our personal lives were in tatters. Our own families stopped lending us money. We had exhausted all the generosity that they actually had to offer us. My home, Zimbabwe, was far from the glittering horizons of Silicon Valley. We didn't have venture capitalists lining up, eager to invest in us. We didn't have the luxury of funding options, of myriad options. It was an uphill climb from the start, and the hill was quickly becoming a mountain. The ground that I was standing on was crumbling, and to be honest, I was sinking. Then something happened. I was invited to a meeting in Boston by an individual named Matt Keller. And he had just joined the Algorand Foundation, which is the layer one blockchain that we built FlexID on top of. And FlexID was essentially designed to help over 400 million people in Africa without identification. 
And this individual and his new boss wanted to meet me in Boston because they'd read about us and they wanted to actually fund us. And I was surprised. These guys are interested in the problem that we are solving in Zimbabwe. I had to meet these guys. However, there was a bit of a problem. At the time, I was actually now down to living on less than $10 a day. And going to Boston seemed like an impossible task. This photo humbles me each time. It humbles me each time because there was a time in my journey I had to raise not $10,000, not $100,000, not a million dollars, but merely $165 to secure my visa appointment. And at this point, I actually couldn't afford that. I had put every last dollar, I had sold every asset I owned into the business. Our servers could simply not switch off. So imagine this. You are standing at the edge of a precipice. Your dream on the line and all you've got is a PS5 console that your cousin bought you on your last birthday. It was my lifeline, my last piece of hope, my last tangible asset. And there I was handing it over to a guy named Gilbert in exchange for a sum that seemed so small. Yet that's all I really needed to take the next step. The visa was not just a piece of paper for me. It was a doorway, a chance to change my trajectory. But I still needed a way to get to America, even after securing that visa. This is Uncle Doug. As you can clearly see, Doug is not my uncle. Um, <laughs> and I had never met this man in my life, and he had actually never met me. But we were connected by the love and generosity of somebody I still have not met in the past eight years, my friend Sam. There's a lot I could say about Sam, but this is a human who continues to challenge my understanding of humanity, generosity, and unconditional love. Love to someone whom he does not expect anything in return for. The only thing Sam has ever really asked from me is to actually succeed. When I was a skinny kid from Zimbabwe arriving at Yale University's campus, it was Sam who actually took me in, made me feel special, organized my room, made sure I felt welcome, and I felt at home. And years later, he talked to his uncle and said, there's a young man who's going to come from Zimbabwe, and I need you to offer him accommodation. So Uncle Doug welcomed me into his home in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and he was the best host I've ever lived with. A teacher by nature, I selfishly benefited from his wisdom, and I continue to be grateful for all I learned during that time. The next day arrived, and I actually had to now have my meeting with Matt. You could say this was my eminent moment in, 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 in Eight Mile. This was the moment that I actually had been waiting for for the past few months. And I remember it like it was yesterday. We sat in a charming cafe in Boston, you know, bathed in this soft morning light, you know, the aroma of freshly brewed coffee just wafting in the air. And everybody was just taking it very casually. 
But for me, this was an extremely important moment. It felt like any other day for most people, but it was far from ordinary. I had just 45 minutes to present my case and to convince this gentleman that what we were doing at Flex ID was worth investing in. That the 400 million people in Africa we were building for were worth being given a chance. But it wasn't just a business proposition. It was my life, my dreams, my struggles, and my team's struggles. After the meeting, I headed back to Zimbabwe. And that was a very long journey. By the time I got to the airport, I had $10 left on me. I remember this knowing hunger I felt in my stomach and this growling protest as it kept me awake. I was afraid to fall asleep on the flight because I didn't want the, the air hostess to pass me and not give me dinner. That's all the food I was going to eat for the next 18 hours. So the physical hunger, you could say, was a mirror of my hunger for success and a stark reminder of what was at stake. This wasn't actually a game. As founders, we often become the face of success, but we're not the heroes of our stories. We are protagonists, yes, but the heroes are those who lift us up when we stumble, those who shine a light when our path is shrouded in darkness. They are the ones who stand by us and they are often unseen and are not present. So yes, we raised funding. Yes, you've raised funding. You've raised a few million dollars. You now run a unicorn. You've won this award and that award. You get to stand on big stages and give eloquent speeches about how smart you are and how resilient you are. But you are not the hero. Founders are not heroes. We are vessels of dreams enabled by the true heroes who walk among us. And it's these individuals that these unsung heroes in our lives, that they're not just individuals, they're symbols of human generosity, faith, and it is the spirit of humanity that truly paves the way for us founders to do what we do. Thank you.